Hello and welcome to Rockstar's brand new Ascension to Partner podcast series, the podcast series designed to give quick 15-minute bite-sized insights from excellent consulting and technology services company leaders about their career experiences and lessons in personal growth. Our guests range from big four through to startups and new concepts. This is our first podcast in the new series, so I am truly delighted to be speaking today with Simon Holden, who is the Chief for Strategic Clients at And Digital. Simon is a highly regarded business leader and excels in deepening and growing client partnerships and teams. Simon has a slightly unusual background in that he was a captain in the British Army until 2005, before crossing worlds into more mainstream consulting and then into technology and digital services as specialism. Simon's employer and digital focuses on accelerating digital delivery for its clients by building both digital products and teams via its unique pioneering club model. And Digital's mission is to close the world's skills gap by helping companies and people accelerate the development of their digital capabilities with upskilling and talent development at its core. So with that said, a warm hello and welcome to you today, Simon, and thanks for joining us. How are you today? Very well, thank you, Craig, and thank you for having me. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on board. I've been looking forward to the session. So uh, before we get started and dive right into today's session, can you tell me, Simon, where in the world are you today and what colour socks are you wearing right now? I am in my home office, just uh, in my house, just outside Winchester. And the socks I'm wearing, I wish I had a better answer for this. I did kind of uh, search my mind, but I'm wearing pretty straightforward black socks, I'm afraid. Black Sox Winchester. It sounds like a winning combination to me, nevertheless, Simon. So uh, thank you for sharing that with us today. So um, in terms of your story, can you tell us who you are, your background and why you chose to switch career into consulting and then technology, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So first five years after university were in the British Army. Fantastic uh, opportunity from my perspective in terms of lots of growth, lots of challenge, really exciting um, I figured that the first five years you do a lot of the direct leadership, uh, which was the part that I found most interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you were going to move into more you know, um, focusing on paperwork for a period of time after that. So actually, <laughs> I thought I'll do that on my terms and kind of explore the civilian world. Um, I didn't really understand the commercial world at all. If I'm fair, you lived in a green bubble. And so my view was that management consultancy was a ideal way of uh gaining experience uh, and exploring a variety of different sectors and industries so Uh i luckily ended up at pa consulting um, and a lot of the work there was uh, technology focused Um, so did that uh, carried on my career then uh, delivering projects and programs uh, carried my career at quedis then north highland uh, Uh and then switched across into and digital uh, okay okay so it's, it's a nice story sounds like a very active uh, professional life that, you, that you've had so far so far with a di- diverse range of experiences but um, just fast forward in the clock uh, to today what is your role now and your key area of expertise today would you say I wish I could tell a key area of expertise but um, my role is as you said in the introduction chief for strategic clients so okay. Um, the way in which we work in and digital is we work on a, uh, our internal unit is a club. So a club is made up of 90 people and those are uh, developers and analysts. And I previously um, grew and ran one of those clubs in London. Um, those clubs 
have their own kind of culture, office, uh, and set of clients. Uh, and typically they've got six to eight clients, uh, might be British Airways, Condé Nast, Santander, uh, Gusto, uh, and so on. So there's a load of, they'll have six to eight clients. And they will they will be the only the club that club will, will deliver for those clients that that will be a one to one relationship. However, as we've kind of grown and developed and matured, some of our clients are asking for uh, more capacity or more capability or or more geographical spread than just one club can provide. Um, so that might be actually they want to be working with us in London, Halifax, and Edinburgh, or they might want more than you know kind of 30, 40 of our people. So. Uh-huh. My role now is to stitch that together um, across a number of the clubs while not interfering with what the clubs are doing, but just make sure we're providing the best service for those types of clients um, and be the one throat to choke, I suppose, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. if things go wrong. Wow. OK, so it sounds like um, a lot of responsibility and uh, a very strong senior role there, but um, it can't always have been just easy to get there so uh in terms of this excellent achievement has it always been placed plain sailing or what would you say is the hardest lesson or biggest setback you've learned along the way to get to where you are now in this position of responsibility great question i think there's um <laughs> learned lots of lessons along the way mm-hmm. um i think the kind of couple of things that kind of come out at me on this one one is that i think you have to be authentic to yourself um leader you know that was a very key lesson in the army in terms of leadership is you 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 can't pretend or try and be a different type of leader you have to um work on what you've got uh, and celebrate and 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 develop your your skills your capabilities uh, your presence so one key thing i think that i learned very early on in my life is actually kind of you've got to be you and you've got to uh, not try and be anyone else yeah, it's got to be believable and authentic. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think kind of alongside that, uh, I think you've also got to um, understand and respect and protect your moral compass and your values. Mm. So always operate within that remit. Um, yeah, very I simple. Al- I also think um, clients and, and people follow that and it's more and more important what companies and businesses actually stand for these days rather than just the product or service they provide. Absolutely. I think, you know, kind of the world, business, all of it is made up of, of relationships and, and mm. um, you build trust and it takes time to build trust, but it takes seconds to lose it. And I yeah. think you've got to operate in that way. Yeah, have to have that relatability. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So uh, in terms of playing the odds with around, say, one in 20 peers or only 5% of, of uh, say, the people or the workforce actually making it to the senior leadership levels, other than hard work and a bit of luck and a lot of panache, what would you say is the difference between those that make it beyond the senior management layer and those that don't i mean i think you've covered a couple of things there in terms of hard work and, and luck i think those are critical i think the other thing i would add into that is focus mm. um so one can get lost in all sorts of different things but in our world you know in the professional services world you know that we're talking about now you know delivering excellence for clients going above and beyond um making sure you are uh, on top of business development and understanding it and making sure you are leading and coaching teams and making sure you're you're additive to, to what your company is doing. Mm-hmm. Just focus on that and, and don't 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 get deviated. So you don't think there's a single key point of failure or single key point of success that stands out? 
I think I think a lot of people, my reflection would be that some people uh, get distracted by things that aren't mm. contributing to the strategic goals and aims of their organisation that they're part of. Mm. So if they're not contributing to that, then that's lovely. And it might be something that you're particularly interested in and great, cool, but but understand the implications of, of not contributing to, to what the company is trying to achieve. Yeah, you can get distracted by yeah. noise, I think, and yeah. uh, what's going on outside. So um, w- do you have a definition or what would you say makes a rock star employee, as we often call it, in your opinion? Is there a kind of a set DNA or formula that you think works? I, I think, you know, obviously, you know, everyone brings their unique talents and, and, and character to it. I think there are some really common traits. So things like... Mm. Uh, promise and deliver or trusted safe pair of hands you know that that level you know that trust that that someone's going to resolve something that's going to deliver something that they're going to deliver above and beyond what they've committed to mm. I think that is a, a really clear standout that kind of cuts across the majority of people uh, and a can-do attitude you know that there are you know we face problems the, the business world is full of problems but the people who succeed are the ones who who seek to resolve them and make things better rather than use those mm. excuses as to not advance mm. so that kind of philosophy of um every problem is an opportunity or a challenge basically and that's how we grow isn't it yeah and i know that's tough sometimes but but we've got to get through stuff and we've got to we've got to make things successful so mm. Mm. so with with the top performance theme in mind that we're talking about would, would you say there's any kind of single repetitious behavior or activity that would you that you would say to ingrain early on in your career that has served you well until today i would suggest that ruthless prioritization of time mm. now i'm not sure that's a necessarily a, a repetitious behavior uh, repetitious behavior but i think it's about being really clear about where you can most effectively spend your time to deliver the results you need. Yeah, because me, you, Bill Gates, we're, we've all got the same hours and minutes in a day, right? Yeah. No matter who we are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they're not usually in the same bracket as Bill Gates, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, quite for myself as well. So uh, switching from you to your company, um, what would you say is the number one unique thing about the kind of and digital club model that you've mentioned today that's different to all the other professional services firms out there? Yeah, I mean, in one way, it, it, it's completely not unique. So so it's based on the premise that, you know, between 80 to, to 90, 95 people is um, about the right size in terms of ev- ensuring everyone knows each other. There is a shared um, culture understanding of vision and so on and if you go beyond that you lose those connections you, you you then start to be in a situation where you don't know everyone's name you don't understand people's personal circumstances and so on so mm. you know that's that's that, that's you know there's all sorts of studies and kind of historical reference points whether it's the kind of villages whether it's kind of uh, military kind of units whether it's you know uh, Gore-Tex use that there's all sorts of different reference points as to that so mm. We we stick pretty rigidly to it, and and actually it means that a club, so that group of 85, 90 people, mm-hmm. it, it is is a semi-autonomous business unit. It has its own office, as I said. Uh, it has um, its own culture um, within the and bracket. It serves its own clients. It has its own commercials, uh, and it's fantastic. And it means that we can um, support our people's growth within that club. 
but we can also scale as we know we are growing and we're ambitious and we can open new clubs up around around the UK and and in Europe as we're doing this summer mm-hmm. uh, without impacting individual clubs unless someone would be interested in you know transferring from London to Amsterdam because that's in their personal or professional mm-hmm. ambition mm-hmm. but it, it creates a degree of stability both for our people and for our clients and that mm-hmm. intimate relationship with clients as well I think in terms of knowing mm-hmm. that they've got a team of 90 that are there to support them and it's mm. not a mass you know it's not going into the kind of um a much broader group of people where there's no there's maybe a lack of uh, accountability or transparency yeah I, th- I think what i'm picking up from that is uh, it all sounds great but it's also very simple people know their role who they are and it's a replicatable business yeah. model that you have well, and scalable so uh I think that's a great takeaway. So, so in terms of what's next, where do you see the future heading in in your industry niche at the current time? I mean, we we started, you know, five six years ago with the belief that that every business will be a software business going forward, and, mm-hmm. and some are further on in that journey than others. But um, we genuinely believe that our clients need to own, understand, and be able to iterate their their code base, and in some situations, either they don't have uh, all the capability or, or any of the capability to do that. And our raison d'etre is to help them build digital products, but also help build their, their internal capability um, so they don't have a reliance on, on third parties. So uh, I wouldn't say that's necessarily uh, a really cutting edge, cutting edge trend, but it's, that's what we believe is the direction of travel and what we're here to help support. Well, I think with the, um, again, the global pandemic and the acceleration of digital uh, and online, I, I think that's never a truer statement, really. And again, it's a simple thing, but it's it's paramount to survival and success. Yeah, so w- would you, um, with that direction in mind, do you think this presents a real opportunity um, for and digital to have a wider impact in, in, in the wider industry community? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah, yes is the answer, yes. So, so we have, you know, we have a number of ambitions um, and things that we want to go after. One of them, for instance, is to upskill 200,000 people in digital skills by 2025, um, because we believe that, you know, closing the digital skills gap it is, it is our raison d'etre and what we think is important. So um, we are doing that with our clients, but actually we need to reach out to other communities to 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 young people to to uh, groups and areas where they might not see digital as a as a natural place for them to explore or, or, or make a career in and that's that's what we're trying to do with that ambition wow that that sounds like a really big bold ambition and and a very clear one so i wish you all the uh, all the good fortune with that and the impact thank you very much um with with that in mind, Simon, um, what would be the most important message or, or benefit that you could give to your customers or, or clients or listeners that might hear this call, this podcast today? I mean, it might sound counterintuitive, um, but, but I, I believe the more that our clients can invest in their own people, internal capability and culture around digital, the better it is. Mm. Um, so, so, I mean, once again, a fairly obvious statement, but I think it's so important for companies to be able to own and manage and iterate on their code and understand it and drive. And that is 
typically the engine of their business and, and they need to um, sp spend energy and focus and time on doing that. Yeah, I totally agree with that as well. So uh, great insights and, and some, some great takeaways on, on this call from you today so far, Simon. Um, but if, if our listeners want to find out a bit more about you or and digital, where should they go next? Um, is, is there a, any kind of links or, or sites? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're on all the normal, um, normal platforms, uh, just search and digital you know the websites and dot digital um yeah across everything that you'd, you'd expect kind of instagram twitter uh linkedin facebook and so on okay the usual suite so uh that that's great uh, and very helpful thank you so much for that and, and finally simon it's a tradition at rockstar to ask all our guests if you had to pick a rockstar personal music anthem what music track would best resemble you or your company or culture or brand and why would you choose it so this was probably the hardest question after the socks question. So um, <laughs> I have chosen. So this is so to be clear, uh, this is a song that I believe uh, would be a good one um, that I'm then going to try and relate back to our digital. Um, so I'm going to choose 500 miles by the proclaimers. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you remember that. Hopefully uh, some of your listeners will remember that song. Um, I do. They, they play at rugby, don't they, when they yeah. score in Scotland? <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great tune. Um, it's typically the only song I reference if, if I'm asked this type of um, question. I think kind of the way I'm going to try and squeeze it back into representing and digital um, is by saying, you know, we we go the extra mile for our clients. That might be a bit cheesy. Uh, and we've got big ambitions in terms of, you know, the 200,000 upskilling, uh, impacting 200 million people with our, with our product, digital products and so on. So that's how I'm going to try and make the tenuous link. Brilliant. Great, great pick, great choice. And I think a little bit of cheese is okay still today. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Simon, thank you for joining us on the Ascension to Partner podcast series today. You've been an absolute rock star. Thank you. Thank you very much.